Hello everyone, uh, I'm here in Shampooey Park uh, giving you the Sunday morning message. Uh, it was going to be a little longer, but uh, it's going to be a shorter message today. Hey, one of the upsides of preaching messages like this is that uh, they're going to be shorter messages. Now, I can almost hear you applauding and doing the happy dance, uh, but be warned that uh, when we get to meeting together again, I'm going to have all this extra material to get out of my system, and so you're probably going to have to endure that. But until then, uh, we're going to be using this medium to give you some messages on Sunday morning and throughout the week. Um, I know the coronavirus has set us back quite a bit, and uh, it's, I'm deeply saddened uh, by the lives it's taken. Uh, the tremendous negative impact it's having on our society and the people and organizations. And so that definitely saddens me. But I can't help but wonder what God is doing in this and how he's using it to grow us up. And it occurred to me this morning that uh, one of the best things that's coming out of this is that God has single-handedly uh, uh, stopped our ability to meet together for Sunday morning worship. And you're probably going, what are you talking about? That's a horrible thing. But no, it really is an amazing opportunity because in our society, we tend to equate being a Christian with going to church. In fact, there's many people who that is their definition of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who goes to church and you don't even have to go to church that much. Uh, you can go to church on, uh, you know, twice a year and you're in. And so uh, when all of a sudden we cannot meet together on Sunday mornings, what does it mean to be a Christian? I mean, can we even do it? How do you be a Christian if you can't go to church on Sunday mornings? Well, I gotta tell you, there's a lot more <laughs> to uh, being a Christian and uh, than just going to church on Sunday morning. And of course, you'd probably already know that. The real question is not what it means to be a Christian, but uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? And that's the passage we're looking at today in John chapter eight. And it's verses 31 and 32. And uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Catch that? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And uh, that passage raises three questions for us today. And uh, I'm going to be sitting down here in just a bit. So if you're getting tired of the wiggling and the motion, don't worry. This won't last the whole message. But uh, the three questions are this. Am I holding to Christ's teaching? Do I know the truth? And is that truth setting me free? So let's just take that first question. Am I holding to Christ's teaching? What does it mean to hold to Christ's teaching? Well, number one, it means that we're learning it, that we you know, are taking time out of our lives on a regular, daily, consistent, uh, devoted basis to learn. And that means we read the Bible, we listen to teachers, we are getting uh, Christ's teaching in our, uh, in our heads, in our hearts, and we're, we're learning it. And so that's really important. And you don't have to come to church Sunday mornings to do that. You can tune in on uh, Facebook and listen to messages. You can read your Bible. And uh, there's all sorts of ways to get the word of God and uh, Christ's teaching in your life. So keep that in mind. And uh, the second thing it means is uh, um, we do it. It's not just a matter of learning it. We actually put it into practice. And, uh, you know, that's what James means when he says, do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And so being a disciple is more than just learning what Jesus taught. It's actually doing it and even imitating the master. Uh, disciples 
in Jesus' day were people who uh, surrounded a, a rabbi, a, a teacher, and they, they studiously, you know, uh, examined, watched their, their, their rabbi, and they imitated that rabbi's lifestyle. And that's what Jesus calls us to do when he says, if you hold to my teachings, you're a disciple. So the question is, are you holding Jesus' teachings? Is it important enough to you to stay with it? Uh, this uh, whole thing with the coronavirus, this is not a vacation from discipleship. Uh, in fact, it's a call to deeper discipleship. And uh, as we have to make more of an effort to uh, hold to Jesus' teachings. But, the, but Jesus goes on and he says that we will know the truth. And that's kind of an interesting, you know, uh, idea. Do you know, do you know the truth? And what's the truth, you know, we're supposed to know? And the misconception here is that it's not about knowing some body of truth or having some kind of mystical enlightenment like Buddha had when he sat under whatever tree it was he sat under. Um, it, it's, it's really essentially knowing Jesus. Jesus is the truth. In fact, that's what Jesus says later in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the truth we come to know is Jesus himself, because all the truth, all wisdom, all knowledge is grounded in him. And uh, there is no ultimate enlightenment. We don't fill our minds with all knowledge of the mysteries of, of, the, of the universe. But what we do know is that the essence, the secret, the most important thing in life is rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who's come to earth to reveal God to us. And we can have a relationship with God himself through Jesus. So when we know him, that's all we need to know. And so that's the truth we come to know. It's that the truth is in Jesus himself. And, uh, and that's kind of what it means to know the truth. Now, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, as we grow, we know Jesus more and more. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the sheep, my sheep, uh, I know my sheep, and my sheep know my voice. So this coming to know the truth is progressive. Uh, we, as we grow, we, we begin to uh, detect Jesus' uh, voice more and more. We begin to understand his will for our life. And so part of the truth we know is just his will for our lives. As we walk day by day, we get a more of an intuitive sense of what he wants us to do as we listen to the, the shepherd's voice. And so... Uh, that's the you know second question do I know the truth but here's the third question and that's this is the truth I know setting me free now this is a big question and at this point when Jesus you know said the truth will set you free the listeners reacted and because the implication was they were not free and in verse 33 of John chapter 8 they answered him and said we're Abraham's descendants you know and have never been slaves of anyone how can you say that we shall be set free and see they thought they were free they uh, took great pride in their national heritage uh, they didn't serve caesar they didn't serve any worldly government they thought they only worshiped the true god and so they always prided themselves in being a free people but jesus knew better and uh you know we're a lot like them uh we are americans we're free people we think we're free this is the land of the free no one's the boss of me no one's going to tell me what to do if some president you know is trying to tell us what to do we'll just vote him out uh, we really are an independent and even rebellious people, and we think we're free, but we're not so free as we think. And uh, so Jesus replies in verse 34 of John chapter 8, and catch this, he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. You catch that? Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so we're going, wait, what? 
you know? Because here's the deal. Is there any one of you listening to me today who can say with, you know, a straight face, I have never sinned? And so you're kind of going, well, if I've sinned, Jesus is saying I'm a slave, and that is the implication. He's basically telling us we've all, you know, uh, sinned, therefore we are all slaves in some respect. Uh, John uh, writes some letters later, and they're in the back of the New Testament. He says this in 1 John 1 8. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, are we free then? Well, technically, no. I mean, I've been a Christian for you know, following Jesus for 48 years, something like that. And even now, after following Jesus for so long, I can, you know, identify points in my life where I'm not free yet. But I can tell you, I'm more free today than I was 48 years ago. I'm even more free today than I was a year ago. Uh, freedom is a progressive thing. And as we walk, we become more, more free. And I definitely uh, am free from things in my life that used to uh, control me and mess up my emotional uh, states and make me into a person I didn't like. I, I didn't like. And I'm free from that. And uh, I have a ways to go. But uh, I've been experiencing progressively the freedom of Jesus in my life. And that is a, that is a great gift of grace that comes uh, to us through Jesus. So what kinds of things do, you know, are we enslaved to? Well, man, we could make a list. Habits, you know, all kinds of habits uh, and, and things we're attached to, like uh, substances, mood-altering substances, activities like shopping and gambling, uh, sex, pornography is, is a huge addiction in our society. And we could go on with a list of things that enslave us that way. Um, events from our past, traumatic experiences, hurts, hang-ups, and habits, as Jim Baker likes to say. All these things enslave us. And uh, relationships, we can be enslaved to relationships that we can't let go of, that people are controlling us and we let them, uh, other than Jesus, and we're not living truth and love relationships with them. Uh, we're attached too much to people and uh, keeping God from being God. And then just attitudes, things in our hearts and minds that control us, like resentment, anger, bitterness, um, shame. These attitudes and emotions can just totally wipe us out, and we are slaves to these things and, and fear. Man, how much are we slaves to fear? And so, uh, you know, in Second Peter 2.19, it says, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So what's mastering you? What's controlling your life other than Jesus? And, you know, fear is a big one. Uh, for many, fear is the you know, constant thing, and the big evidence of that is just the coronavirus. Look how people are responding in fear all around us, and you know the, the sheer panic, the survival reaction as people go to the stores and buy stuff like toilet paper. And uh, you know, there's no shortage really of toilet paper, but everybody's digging in, they're afraid for their lives, and as they're uh, you know, gonna be isolated, they don't wanna run out of TP. And of course, there's other things. People are buying out everything, but it's all a fear survival reaction and we're slaves to fear. But you know, God says we don't have to be that way. And uh, you know, uh, in Romans 8.15, Paul says this, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you've received a spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And of course, you know, Abba means daddy. He's our, he's our father, he's our daddy. He's gonna take care of us. We don't have to be fearful because ultimately our lives are in his control. And this goes along with what Jesus goes on to say in chapter 8 of John. He says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever.
And then he says this, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. As we grow in our relationship as a son and daughter to Jesus Christ, we grow in our freedom. But it always comes because we're in that relationship. And the only way we can get into that relationship is to surrender control of our lives and become his son or daughter. That's how you become part of the family. And this is truly a paradoxical thing about the Christian life. The more we surrender, the freer we become. It doesn't make sense. It's, you know, uh, it just doesn't go according to logic. But the more I surrender to God, the freer I am in this world. And the things around me do not control me. I become free indeed. I, I love the TurboTax commercial. Do you all know the TurboTax commercial where all the actors, all they do is say free? You know, free, 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 free. In Christ, I'm a free. That could be a, a, a commercial for the gospel. And so, you know, in Christ, I'm free. Free. Free, 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 free. And uh, one of the neatest things about this passage that we've just, we're almost finished here, is in verse, uh, the last verse of verse 36. He says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Free indeed. I want you to say that to yourself. I am free indeed. Say that at home. You know, when I was a new Christian, I couldn't pray very much. Couldn't keep my mind focused. You know why? Because I wasn't free. When I was young and married to my wife, Lisa, I couldn't love her very well. Uh, you know why? Yeah, because I wasn't free. I, I couldn't free myself from my own interests and desires and all the things that were controlling me. And, uh, and, and we could go on to all the things. I couldn't love much. I couldn't do much. There was things I couldn't do because I wasn't free, but I'm freer now. And, uh, you know, here's the reality. And I want you to, again, keep saying to yourself, I am free indeed. So, you know, as you are afraid to go out and face the coronavirus, you know, you don't have to fear. And you, why? Because I'm free indeed. Say that to yourself again and again. When you're sitting in traffic, stuck in traffic and getting all irritated, you don't have to be irritated. Why? Because you're free indeed. And, uh, you know, the ultimate thing is, let's say the worst happens and I, I get sick and die. That's no big deal. You know why? Because I am free indeed. And I'm so glad. That's the good news in Jesus. And I hope you can receive that and grow in that in this season, this time that God's putting us through. And in the meantime, keep checking in with us on uh, social media. Uh, we will be trying to stay in contact, constant contact with you, giving you resources and opportunities to connect, to do fellowship. You know, in Acts chapter 242, it says the early church gathered together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We can do all those things without showing up on Sunday morning, and we're going to be working at giving you opportunities to do those things. So keep checking in, and thanks for listening today. And uh, hey, let me close you with a prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for our people. I thank you for uh, their willingness to check in and listen to your message. But Father, we ask that you calm each heart, that you give us courage to be disciples in this time of uh, doubt, and help us to reflect you uh, to others as we experience you, as we trust you. Guide us as we go from uh, out in the world today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you guys, have a good day.